welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched a whole lot of wrestling, but I am a stone cold determined to, to change that fact. I don't know if that worked as well as you wanted to, but it did. We did get in the the cheap reference. I, I you know what I I I thought it worked pretty well. Stone Cold something, you know. Is mm-hmm. you, 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 look, I, I do my best. Okay. Yeah, very true. And yes, <laughs> today is the start of our newest episode where we return to the Attitude Era. This is our fourth time here. We're almost. I'm almost Jesus. done with this. I'm almost done with this era of wrest with this era of wrestling for a hot sec. That's so wild, dude. Like it feels like it, it honestly it feels like we've been we've been uh in the attitude era a lot longer. It's just like one of those things so all encompassing. I'll stick I'll stick my retrospective stuff for the next time because that's the yeah. last time. But yeah. And like and, and to be fair, like the attitude era and this period of wrestling has done a lot to influence WWE after. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this oh, was absolutely. a super influential era of time. So, like, even when we're not tech officially talking about it, it has a lot of like relevance. The ripple effect is is massive. Mm-hmm. And this is this is like again, I keep talking about like times where the attitude era starts, and by some people's definition, it kind of starts right here because this this is the first episode of Monday Night Raw where Stone Cold Steve Austin is WWE champion. Woo! It's a very... We, we went through, we've skipping ahead three months, a couple of months, to March 30th, 1998. And we have a lot of ground... We have a decent amount of ground to cover. Thankfully, all the important stuff had matches at WrestleMania 14, which was the... which was This is the episode right after WrestleMania. So oh. I could just go off of that match card to help me um, uh, organize where everything is going, where everything went. All righty. Let's, so let's go ahead and start with the big one is uh, Stone Cold uh, and Shawn Michaels. That has been, you know, the last time uh, Steve Austin just won the Royal Rumble. He was going to face Shawn Michaels. And now we are here. <laughs> what what happened in the storyline? Hmm. And for it kind of took a, couple, a few different uh, it kind of took a few different twists and turns. I, I really appreciated that. But it starts off with, uh, you know, the week after um Sean, my uh, in under uh, yeah, Stone Cold fights Mike Tyson. I'll run through all the names of the Attitude Era here, but yes, uh, after he be he gets in the fight with Mike Tyson, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of speculation of like Austin and Tyson are they gonna fight at WrestleMania? And Shawn Michaels, being the obviously being the kind-hearted soul that he is, is <laughs> like, I am totally willing to give up my WWE championship match with Stone Cold so that Stone Cold can fight Mike Tyson. <laughs> He's willing to make that large sacrifice. Wink, wink. Such a, such a, such a valiant, uh, valiant soul, truly. Mm-hmm. After that obviously doesn't work because Stone Cold is like, no, I can fight Mike Tyson whenever I want. At WrestleMania, I want you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. After that fails, uh, the next uh, Shawn Michaels attempt, get Mike Tyson on your side. So we get the big, the next time Mike Tyson appears on Monday Night Raw, we get this big shocking reveal that Mike Tyson is with DX. Really? He's going to help. He's going to be on DX's side. Of all the orgs to pair with, of all the groups, he chose DX. 
And so now it's now it's now it's kind of like, oh shit, how's Mike Tyson going to get involved in the match at WrestleMania? And from there, you know, we skip ahead. Like, there, from there, there's not there's not really any other major different pointing uh, beats I need to hit until we. But at WrestleMania, you know, the match happens, and and Mike Mike Tyson's there as the special enforcer, and who's ba- which basically means he's the backup referee. And so shenanigans happen, and the referee's out. Stone Cold has got. Shawn Michaels pinned, and Mike Tyson comes in, counts at one, two, three. No problem. Stone Cold wins. Because you see, him being with DX was merely a ruse. He's been on Steve Austin's side the whole time. What? <laughs> oh, God, this reads like something. I don't, I can't remember what, but there's some, like, some show or something where, where there's a, there's like a series of, like, hilariously uh intricate double crosses yeah oh god is it the rick and morty heist episode that might be what i'm thinking of <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a bit of it's a bit of like up to you when you think the how you long you think this con has been <laughs> i personally take the at the opinion of it happens sometime after in between stone cold showing up to fight austin tyson and like it's he doesn't show up to be with dx until like a month after he gets in his fight with Steve Austin, so I'm I I believe that it happened there. What? But I just I have so many questions. What? Why? I mean, there, I mean, there are some logic logical points here that like it makes it make sense, and that like at the Royal Rumble, Mike Tyson is up there like cheering Steve Austin the whole mat, the whole Royal Rumble match. Yeah, Cold Stone, you know, the Cold best Stone, free. Cold Stone. And then of course, and then of course, you could think about it like. Mike T- Steve Austin is totally willing to kick the ass of any single person that shows up in fr- at any time, and yet Mike Tyson is at Raw and Steve Austin never shows up. Isn't that a little weird? One of those things that like retroactively makes this makes makes this seem like this long con plan. So the it they did they retcon the like attack at at the the la- the last episode we watched to be uh... um. They don't, they don't, because Mike Tyson doesn't come back, they don't really spend a lot of time on it. But, so it's kind of up to you. Like, do you want to believe that they had a real fight, or do you want to believe this was, this was a real long one? So, so, this whole Mike Tyson thing then reads like a giant part, like half unexplained plot cul-de-sac. Somewhat, I suppose. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that much because we what you because you get the visual of Mike, uh, Shawn Michaels being like, "What the fuck, man? I thought you were on your side." And so Mike Tyson punches out Shawn Michaels, and then he celebrates with Steve Austin as Steve Austin gets the WWF championship. So, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. But I suppose I will say, I will say Tyson, uh, Tyson eating Shawn Michaels sounds like a really, really satisfying image. It is, <laughs> and truth, and tr- truthfully, like. As much as Shawn Michaels is famous for not being willing to play ball, if <laughs> yeah, seriously, he pretty famously uh, um, last year at WrestleMania, he was supposed to let beat let Bret Hart beat him for the WWF Championship, and then suddenly Shawn Michaels threw a hissy fit about it, and yeah. on air he said he lost his smile and had to get rid of and had to voluntarily give up the title. All as part of this elaborate excuse to not have to lose to Bret Hart. <laughs> like, no, Shawn Michaels does that, did that shit. Like, he would yeah. never, he would rarely, if ever, be willing to actually lose to anybody. 
Well, because that was that was part of the whole uh uh, uh Boston screw job or whatever. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, Montreal, yeah. Montreal screw job of of like of him like reneging on like I don't respect you and I would never like do this for you if the tables were turned or whatever. Like yeah. he's he's notoriously like a giant dick about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And so there there were some legitimate fears of like what if he did it again? <laughs> I know I know he's got like three broken discs in his back <laughs> and he needs to go away to heal that. But what if he decided to be an ass? Yeah. About, like, one more time. It's and stubbornness. Yeah. And this, that, that's led to this very famous story of the undertaker who is, who's, who's kind of like a backstage, like a locker room leader type uh, implicitly threatening Shawn Michaels that like, if you, if you fuck around tonight, I am going to kick your ass <laughs> for real. Jesus. Uh, according to Shawn Michaels, it wasn't that direct. It was more of like, it, Shawn Michaels admits to being let to letting people think he might not do it. But even if he, according to him, he never planned to screw around on it, but he let people think he might. And according to him, the Undertaker never like came up to him about it and was like and threatened him directly. But it was more like he Undertaker passed the story around to the locker room, so everybody knew. Hmm. And, and, and that would have and that would have been very enjoyable if Undertaker had to do that to Sean. But thankfully, Sean did did what he had to do. He he made Stone he was willing to take the loss. He made Stone Cold look like a million bucks. It was it was a super huge success all around. Ooh, all right, nice one, Sean. Yeah. Good job not being a dick this time. Yeah, and under and uh, relevant too is that not only did they set up, you know, we've had this whole long storyline with Sean, but they also set up what Steve Austin what comes next for Steve Austin. In that um, during one of the weeks where DX wasn't in the building, un- Sean, uh, Steve Austin was, you know, just rearing to to be mad with everybody, mad at hit somebody, and this prompted Vince McMahon to appear. And, you know, and eventually, and, and Steve Austin kind of, uh, directly, uh, gotten McMahon's face about the, about this whole, about this whole thing for, he was, he's mad that first of all, that like, uh, Vince McMahon keeps calling Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet. He's like, nah, son. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the sort of thing he would take issue with. Yeah. But then also Steve Austin's like, be straight with me here, Vince. You don't want me to be WWE champion. You don't like me. And, you know, Vince McMahon tries to play this off, like tries to not give an answer about that. And, but, it, but the next week they, they do an interview and, and, you know, Vince McMahon is again trying to be like, well, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the fans think. But, you know, eventually they are able to get enough with enough needling. You know, Vince McMahon goes mask off about this and goes, do I want Steve Austin as WWE champion? That's not just a no. That's a hell no. Wait, is this all in kayfabe? Yes. Oh, okay. This is kayfabe. This, we're, we're doing the kayfabe. It's all kayfabe. Vince McMahon was all too happy to let Steve Austin. Okay. Be the See, I, I was wondering about that. I'm like, out. that seems like a weird, like, backstage, if that were legit, a nah. weird, like, a, a grudge for McMahon to hold. But oh, okay. it would be. It, it would be, yes. But now this is all kayfabe, too. So they're setting up, the, you know, Vince McMahon versus Steve Austin going forward. And, you know, Vin, and, and Steve Austin also got plenty of opportunities to, like, attack WWE officials. <laughs> Throughout throughout this segment, when he did when he when he couldn't get his hands on Shawn Michaels, he probably got his hands on whatever random referee or WWE 
uh, of management that happened to be around. <laughs> and it's one of those, it's one of those things that like, if you were like trying to like be charitable to Vince McMahon, you could, it, it is kind of like not squeaky clean, good guy behavior from Steve Austin. But then you also understand that like, even in kayfabe, Vince McMahon is taking credit for the Montreal screw job thing. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's very much like, yeah, you're kind of bullying Vince here for even though he hasn't directly done anything to you. But we understand that even in character, Vince is a huge asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and it's totally okay to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so that is where those pieces are going for the for the um for that. Uh the next match to look at Undertaker and Kane. It oh, finally it happened. Is you know a couple weeks after the whole huh, burial thing, all the whole <laughs> fire casket thing, Undertaker returned and he was like, "Okay, you know what? I have I've thought about it. I've talked. He sued the souls of his parents. That's his words. That's his words. He the promo he cuts to do the for this is very like melodramatic and and metal, but he's like, you know what?" Fine. I will fight you, Kane. <laughs> he sued the souls of like it took them to court? Took their souls no. to court? No, he sued like because they're because their parents are dead. Yeah. So soothing. So he's oh oh he's, oh soothe. Soothe. Oh soothe. yeah, like soothsayer. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he 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 you know he he, he Undertaker <laughs> who can clearly communicate with the dead. <laughs> I thought you said sued, and I was like, "Why the fuck did he take them to court?" Oh uh, no, sued. no, sued. Yeah, no, okay. he, he talked it over with the spirits of his parents. They, they, he gave, he got the blessing. <laughs> He's gonna fight Kane now, and he and he gives the help for him. He's like, "I'm gonna drag you to the depths of hell, Kane." Beautiful, beautiful, amazing, wow. good times, and they spend a few weeks like. Passive aggressively doing spooky, spooky magic at each other. <laughs> Under mm-hmm. Kane lights, shoots lightning bolts at random members of the stage crew. The Undertaker makes cabinets flicker. <laughs> oh, beautiful! It's all very kind of dorky and and, but it, I think it's fun anyway. You know, it it, it kind of it's, it's one of those things. That it evokes the imagery, and you kind of have to let your imagination do kind of some of the legwork there. Yeah. So then Undertaker and Kane, they have their match at WrestleMania. Um it is a decent match. I don't think Undertaker and Kane ever have really great matches with each other. They 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 let their characters and their backstory with each other do a lot of the legwork in this regard. But you do get the kind of an Undertaker you get this kind of really good imagery for Kane where Undertaker wins, but he has to hit Kane with three Tombstone pile drivers. Okay. Like the notion, like the notion that anyone could kick out of a- one tombstone pile driver, which is the Undertaker's signature move, is already yeah. a bit of a wild one. But Kane kicks out of two of them, so it took three to put him down. So they right. do a, they do a good job of selling this. Like this was the hardest, the the toughest challenge the Undertaker has ever faced. Yeah, they they really they really built him up to like just be both of them up to be like that powerful and, and in a way, you know, such sufficient matches for each other that I can kind of respect that. Yeah. But that is that. And, and I don't believe they're done, but where they go from here, uh, we have no real setup for, uh, next up 
the WWF Tag Team Championship match uh, between Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie and the New <laughs> Age Outlaws. Oh, nice. Okay. And it, and it was a dumpster match. Now, this requires a little backstory in that in the buildup to this, to, this, to this WrestleMania, there was an iconic moment where Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie had a match with each other once on Raw because they're both crazy, crazy assholes who like punching each other as much as they like <laughs> punching other people together. <sighs> so they have a match and they wind up like fighting in a dumpster. And then the New Age Outlaws show up and like push the dumpster over the stage off the stage i'm sorry and it's this whole big moment of like oh my god well how could they do this and so like and it becomes the a dumpster becomes the new age outlaw signature weapon for a while <laughs> they just show up to their matches to bring and bring dumpsters to that throw seems people in. a little cumbersome i'm not gonna it, lie it kind of is but you know Char, you know Charlie and, and Jack have, and and the uh, and the outlaws have been going back and forth. Um, kind of the big a big character storyline development is the New Age Outlaws keep showing up, like they keep getting help from DX. Like there's a there's a real alliance here <laughs> that's happening on a regular basis. Of course, the two degenerate sophomore dickhead groups are great friends. Yeah, well, imagine my shock. Yeah, so they have this match, and uh, it's it's a pretty fun one for how short it is. And Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, they win. They are the tag team champions. Yes, thank God. Yeah, so that that's kind of that. Um, up next, The Rock and Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm real excited to be talking about this oh, because the Nation of Domination is not in a good, having a good time right now. So, so as as I recall from uh, last we left them, yes, yeah, it, it only got worse. We hit we hit a turning we hit a turning point in the relationship between Farouk and The Rock. In that, in that, you know, up to this point, like they haven't got along great, but Farouk hasn't been actively malicious. Yeah, no, he well, he hasn't. From what you everything I remember you saying, he hasn't really assessed The Rock to be like an actual threat to his leadership. Uh, he figured it out when, <laughs> you know, is at their last pay-per-view, No Way Out uh, of Te No Way Out of Texas, the pay-per-view that happened in between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. There was some miscommunication that cost the Nation of Domination the match, one of their matches. And so, to soothe things over, The Rock got everyone present. Uh, for comma Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown. He got Rolex gold watches worth fifteen thousand dollars. Fuck. For Farouk, he gave him a portrait of The Rock. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, in this like, and this is absolutely one of their. This is a huge moment where The Rock gives gifts Farouk a giant portrait of himself. <laughs> You know, it's funny because like up up till now, it seems like it it, it seems like the like the, the 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 dissonance forming in uh, Nation of Domination had been almost kind of innocent. Like the Rock wasn't like meaning to usurp Farouk's uh, Farouk's leadership. He's just like so charismatic and such a natural leader. He couldn't help it. And Farouk was just like kind of this like was kind of naive to it all. But this was this is such a pronounced like dick move from the rock. This completely repaints everything. 
Yeah, if 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 the Rock was, I don't know, you know, you don't know if the Rock was trying to usurp power before. He's de- he's made it clear now what he's doing. Yeah, no, and, <laughs> he's read the writing on the wall, baby. And thankfully, Farouk is not stupid and does <laughs> and also sees this for what it is. Oh no! So for the next few weeks, the Rock. Unfortunately, Farouk hasn't just decided to like pat like actually kick the rock out he's just doing a lot of passive aggressive actions like they're, they're passive aggressively hitting each other with weapons accidentally and uh, costing each other matches oh no what a tragedy yeah so where does that leave uh you know in the midst of all this you still have ken shamrock violent mma monster <laughs> a lot of anger issues. He should he should have gone to uh, uh, therapy with with Kane and Daniel Bryant. Truly, he should have. Yeah. Uh, but in this, he has a match with the Rock with the Rock and Anish, and he kind of and we kind of do what we haven't got to talk something we haven't got to talk about on this show before is the Dusty finish. It's named for the uh, out of based on Dusty Rhodes, who is who was kind of a wrestler who popularized this when he was like the head writer character. Uh, slash wrestler in his in his heyday career but basically a a dusty finish is when they do a mat they have a match and the and one person generally the baby face uh seems to have won the match but then thanks to a rules technicality that decision is overturned okay yeah and 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 to defend dusty Rhodes on this one I think in in small doses, it's a really cool technique to kind of like mess with the mess with, you know, to kind of generate this reaction of like you get the fans being like, oh, my God, the guy I wanted to win won, But then some ticky tack rule garbage costs it costs them the win. And it make and it can and it can work really well, I think, to get fans to be even more be like, we really want to see the the rematch because we want to see him win for realsies next time. Yeah. Uh, the big problem with the Dusty finish is Dusty Rhodes way overused it to the point where the fans stopped caring because, you know, uh, if you use it too much, then people stop buying into that initial moment of, like, thinking that the good guy won. Uh. But that didn't happen here. This one worked really well. But basically, Ken Shamrock, he he got the rock to tap out. He beat, he got to the ankle lock. He was the intercontinental champion. But because he is a roid ragey magoo who can't help himself, he was still too <laughs> hopped up on adrenaline. He kind of keeps attacking people to the point where he like, like he beats the rock so bad that they have to like stretcher the rock out and he's like attacking officials and going mad wild and then the rest like you know what fuck it i'm changing the rule my ruling dq the rock wins by dq jesus <laughs> which the res- ken shamrock's response to that is to then knock the rock off the off the gurney <laughs> what uh, jeez on why is he I, I mean, I love that we have a character that's like just this unhinged, like anger issues and all that. But holy shit! Yeah, but we do get this this hilarious visual of like when they when they when they change the decision, the Rock is being stretched away, and he like limply raises the title up <laughs> in celebration as he's like stretch being stretchered out. It sounds like something from a cartoon. Like he's he's taking this W. <laughs> <laughs> He's proud of it. Oh my god. 
Uh, the Rock didn't just get to have a match at WrestleMania, though. I'm bringing this up just because I feel like I have to bring it up because it okay. happened, and I want you to know that it happened. Okay. Uh, before this match, he has a sit-down interview with Jennifer Flowers. Um, for people who don't immediately know who that is, Jennifer Flowers uh, got famous for uh, suppo- for claiming to be one of uh, one of Bill Clinton's mistresses in the lead up to the 1992 presidential election. Oh, so to to add some greater context here, <laughs> Monica the Monica Lewinsky scandal happened in January of 1998, <laughs> and the WWE <laughs> was really into talking about it. <laughs> of course they were. Why? And why? Why wouldn't they be into talking? So about it? many jokes. Oh, no. <laughs> I think the only one that I really f- have any fondness for is when DX decide to get on in on this. And uh, Shawn Michaels goes, and just want to point this out, is I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up all night. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, Shawn, God damn it. But, uh, yeah, to be clear, the WWE has always really liked making Bill Clinton jokes during his ad- his administration. As someone who's had to watch through 1994, a lot of that at this point, there's like a weekly joke on commentary about Bill or Hillary Clinton. And WWE multiple times used a Bill Clinton impersonator to show up on TV and make jokes. Why? I mean, if you want to get into the political stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know why. I know why. And I know why nobody, like, thought that was dumb and tired for, you know, majority of the audience. But, like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, it's oh, just, shit, it dude. is generally lame. Uh, but The Rock has this sit-down interview with Jennifer Flowers where he, like, expresses his, his political aspirations as to one day be president. And isn't that a, a kind of funny thing to talk about in 2021? <laughs> but, but he basically, and it based to be clear, the interview is basically two has two things is that one, the rock is extremely vain and narcissistic. And two, the rock clearly doesn't know anything about politics. The Rock, the character. I don't really know. I don't know how Dwayne John, what Dwayne, how uh, I don't know how politically knowledgeable Dwayne Johnson is in 1998. To be fair, but The Rock, no, nah, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> so he's just making a lot of jokes that I admit are like kind of funny, but then also somewhat uncomfortable to hear in a modern in a 2021 context, based off of certain political like opinions that have been propagated a lot but then but he'll say shit like like the homeless crisis as long as the rocks got his mansion all the homeless people can have sleep in all the boxes they want and then yeah no and then like jennifer flowers tries to ask him about criminal justice reform and then he he does this extremely long joke to eventually make a comment about a hung jury (laughs) get it yeah, yeah, I, they made him part of the Nation of Domination. What? They, 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 so, so, so the Black Liberation guy is cracking jokes about about homeless people in boxes and and hung juries. What? I mean, I mean, to be fair, The Rock has never, as a character, never really 
he never really conformed to any of the political aspirate. He never like expressed like the same political opinions and aspirations that Ra- that Farouk did. Like that was yeah, Farouk's no. thing. And like the rock clearly didn't care that as a character did not care that much about it. Uh, uh, yeah. I, from what you told me about how like nation of domination ends up, that doesn't surprise me, but still Jesus. No. And so it happens. It was one of those things where it's like, it feels weird that you like, like Jennifer flowers is, is who you think is going to get people to buy this pay-per-view. Cause she shows up on, she gets multiple advertisements on raw of being like, Hey guys, I'm going to be at WrestleMania. And it's like, you people would, you think that would have convinced that you, okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, oh, speaking oh, no. of celebrities, I forgot about this is that this was the show that started the longest running rivalry in Kane's career. Besides the undertaker, Pete Rose. Oh, Pete Rose, famous baseball player, you know, most hits of any baseball player in history, never going to be in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on he bet on he he bet on his team while he was a coach. Of course he did. Rip, I think it's stupid. He should be in the Hall of Fame, but whatever, not important. Um, what is important is he shows up at, at WrestleMania as a celebrity guest and he's ostensibly there to be a guest announcer for the Kane Undertaker match and he uses his intro to just shit on Boston because that's where the show is. Okay. And then Kane shows up and, and hits him with a pile driver. <laughs> um, is there a reason? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because Kane's a heel. So why is he beating up the guy attacking the local sports teams? But it does become a running gag of like Pete Rose will make several more appearances for WWE. And every single time Kane is the one who shows up and attack and beats him up. I, for, I forgot about that when I was talking about Undertaker Kane. Uh, but yes, there goes that. And now, uh, next match, Mark Marrow and Sable versus Goldust and Luna Vachon. So, as we have remembered, Mark Marrow is currently somehow becoming the least liked, per- the most unlikable person on this show because he has a hot wife who he doesn't, who gets, who he gets really, who he keeps bringing to the ring with him, even though he knows that whenever, when he brings his wife to the ring, everyone's going to cheer because they like his hot wife. And then he's going to get mad about the fact that they all like his hot wife that he's bringing to the ring. But Austin, but Austin, the real question is, is there a space between hot and wife? <laughs> what kind of hot wife is she? <laughs> she is she is she hot wife one word or hot wife two words? So it's a big it's a big, big important difference. What? Is a hot hot wife is a thing of like I know I gotta make sure. I'm confused. Like like uh, a, a married woman who has sexual relationships outside of her marriage. I'm pretty sure that is not Sable, no. It's, okay. It's, it's just the fact that she likes, be, she enjoys being sexy in front of other people. And Mark Marrow doesn't like the fact that his wife likes being sexy in front of other people. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no. Jealousy issues abound. Again, we're taking just like the, the Randy Savage Elizabeth thing and cranking it up to 11. It, it kind of is actually that. But, so, where does this play? How, do, how did Goldust and Luna get here? You know, uh, eventually, uh, Mark Marrow was friends with Goldust, 
for some reason, like because he kept bringing in Goldust to help him in his schemes to make people not get to see his hot wife. Like the time that he brought he brought his wife out and it was Goldust dressed as Sable. Or one time he sent his wife back to the ring and was going to bring out celebrity guest Marilyn Manson, very late 90s. And yeah. it is in fact, once again, Goldust dressed as Marilyn Manson. Jesus Christ. The weird indignities they made Dustin Rowe. Okay, whatever. But it all kind of fell apart a little bit because Luna, because Sable didn't like, doesn't like Luna Vachon. So they started fighting. And when they started fighting, that caused Goldust to start fighting with Sable. And when Goldust starts fighting with Sable, here comes Mark Mara to be like, hey, 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 whoa, pal. Nobody fights with my wife but me. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. And so they had a match together. And it's Sable and Luna Vachon is super fascinating. And this is whole storyline. This and then obviously Mark Marrow and Sable's storyline overall. It makes Sable's entire career. And Sable as a talent, not great. It's hard for me to ignore that. Uh, She's not much of a wrestler. Not much of a character worker. Unfortunate, but the crowd is so into this, into Sable, and right now you'd think she was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, after however long of getting constantly like constantly berated by her husband, I get why. Mm-hmm. Like people are so into Sable, and that's carrying her far. I admit to it. And so, yeah, they have a match at WrestleMania. Sable's actually in there doing moves. And the crowd's eating it up. And, sh- and they win. Marrow and Sable uh, on the same page for one glorious moment. Don't worry. We'll get right back to the stuff, to the other stuff. Mm. So, that's that. Next, we have uh, the European Championship match. Triple H and Owen Hart. This is so terrible. This is so bad on so many levels. So let's, let's, let's just go. There we are. So I've already, we've, we've, we spent enough time talking about how, how, how terrible it is that we're already just that Owen Hart is fighting Triple H for the European Championship as his revenge for Montreal, despite the fact that Triple H didn't do Montreal and it wasn't over the European title. We've already got to that. But then it just keeps getting worse and going downhill. Because first, Triple H, I guess, refuses to lose to Owen Hart, or I don't know what happened here. But they have a situation where Owen Hart is supposed to wrestle Triple H, and instead he wrestles Goldust dressed as Triple H. What? And then Owen Hart wins, and it is determined that, well... Owen Hart was supposed to have a match for against Triple H versus for the European title, and he wrestled someone claiming to be Triple H. So Owen is the European champion now. Sure. But then a few weeks ago, Owen Hart rolled his ankle really bad in a match against um Barry Windham is the one of the NWA guys, not really important besides the fact that he rolled his ankle. And so now they're like, well, and then his, so they're like, so they, the, the planet WrestleMania was always to have triple H beat Owen Hart to win that title back. 
Yeah. So now, but now they're like, well, he really injured himself. What, what if he can't wrestle at WrestleMania? What do we do? So what they do is they have a match on Raw. They have this match on Raw to make sure that Triple H can beat Owen Hart. And Owen Hart is in a freaking legitimate, like, he's in a boot. Yeah. And Triple H wins with the softest ankle lock you've ever seen. Which, I, and I, to be fair, I get it because like yeah. Owen Hart was legitimately injured. You can't do any, you don't want to actually hurt him on this. Seriously. But he beats Owen Hart to win the European title. And then at WrestleMania, they do a, they do a stipulation where Sergeant Slaughter, who is the commissioner right now, is, uh, is Vince McMahon has not taken up the weekly role of being the guy in charge of making matches. He's still letting Slaughter do that. Okay. And so Slaughter makes a match where, um, uh, China, he will be handcuffed to China at ringside to make sure that China can't interfere in the match. Spoilers. China interferes in the match because Sergeant Slaughter is a retired wrestler in his early 50s and China is a, is a bodybuilder in her prime. Uh-huh. Obviously, Slaughter isn't doing anything to stop China. <laughs> what? And so China still interferes and costs Owen the match, and Triple H wins and retains the title. It's all very sad. What? No, come on. What a bad way to treat your, your heart. Uh... Aren't you glad you stayed? Owen, aren't you glad he didn't leave like everyone, every other member of your family? It's just, it's so bad. Just like all of the like really good people that like, that like Vince and his ever uh, eternal bullshit made, made some of his like most talented and most like delightful like people suffer is just, ugh. To be fair, the other hearts in WCW aren't doing too hot right now. Yikes! Just despite, oh, despite the fact that the Hart family should have come up on the uh, positive, like if the Hart family is like proof of the car that karma doesn't exist, because the Montreal screw job happens, and the only people who come out of it with any severe negative repercussions are the are hearts. the hearts, the victims of the thing. Jesus Christ, the screw job is so depressing. It is. That happens. Um. Takamishinoku and Aguila for the light heavyweight championship. They hey. still don't give a shit about this title, but hey, you know, they're doing Takamishinoku and Aguila. They they wrestle a pretty good match. Hey, it's not it's not Jerry Lawler's dumbass fail son, so I'll take it. That's true. Glad we didn't have to deal with that. And then yeah. the first match of the show, uh, the ta- is a battle royal to determine the new number one contenders for the tag team titles. So just kind of a quick rundown of some of the stories going on related to that. Uh, the winners of the match are LOD 2000. That is the same Legion of Doom, Road Warrior, Hawk, and Animal. They had a they had a, a moment where they they maybe are thinking about breaking the team up, and then a few weeks later they reveal that no, they are not breaking up. They are just having a cool new look, and they're LOD 2000 now, getting all updated and crap. Beautiful. Anyway, that happens. Uh, Gang Wars is basically no more. Rip, because all the groups are breaking up. Oh, I'm Uh, so sad about that. Basically, the the most talented member of the DOA, Crush, which says a lot about the DOA. (laughs) True. Jesus. 
He jumped ship to WCW, so they're fu- they're fucked. The Truth Commission is broken up, so they can focus on Kurgan. So goodbye. And then the nation, <laughs> and then the nation of domination is about apart. one week away from falling apart. Oh, goodbye. Yikes! Get out of here. Get out of here. Rip the gang wars. You won't be missed at all. What the fuck? Yikes! Kill me. Oh God! Yes, uh, and then the NWA still happening. Uh, I, I finally, I think I have figured out what they were going for here. I did some research into this, and I figured it out. Oh, okay. they're subtweeting WCW again because the thing is, because the NWA as a brand is closely associated with WCW. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So they are making the NWA a bunch of boring, inept losers. So because that is the closest thing they to having WCW on the show that they can do. So for this petty gripe, we're making all the fans suffer through their boring bullshit. Yep. You know what? That sounds like Vince McMahon. You know what? I, I believe it. Okay. <laughs> It's still happening. I still don't care. <laughs> Jesus. And I believe that covers it all. Wow. Man, it's the longest intro we've had in a while. Yeah, it is. I have a lot, a lot to go over, I'm afraid. I, I actually have notes. I, I mean, I hey, I feel it makes me feel vindicated for actually like resolving to take notes now. Yeah. So that is that. Uh, we are going to watch the, this is the first episode after WrestleMania. Those, those uh, on occasion, this is before the era of that being of like the raw after mania being like a big thing, but you know, usually they at least put out a couple of like things. <laughs> it's, it's all WrestleMania is almost a new season premiere in a way. If you want to look at it that way, there's, yeah, I see some- it. There's usually something worth talking about, and I can guarantee you that there is stuff to talk about on this one because that's why I picked it. Yes. <laughs> exciting, right. exciting stuff. All right. So we will see you guys in the back half. And we are back. We have just finished the March 30th, 1998 edition of Monday Night Raw is War slash Warzone. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting yeah i feel like we have so much to talk about because there, a lot it, a lot happened good and bad <laughs> there's just a lot going on here and all of it's kind of all over the place i feel like i've said that a lot about the 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 um uh, the 90s era <laughs> attitude attitude era jesus yes. uh, i feel like i said that a lot about the attitude era but oh my god it's all just kind of it 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 is this this era was just like they jumped between a zillion things and some of it worked and some of it didn't and it's always interesting to see kind of what did and didn't yeah so where do you want to start because there's like three different there's three major plot points i think this episode we could start on any of them honestly let's i kind of i kind of want to start with the with the um the the nation thing um, that, that happened first and it was probably by far the most interesting part of the episode to me. Mm-hmm. Um, technically Steve Austin went first, but that, this, oh, that was, right. oh my God. Yes. Austin got, Austin got arrested. That, but okay, let's, yeah. We can start with the nation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a coup in the nation. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah. Who who would have thunk? Who who could have possibly seen this coming? No, after you know, after months of this buildup, mm-hmm. tonight was the night where it happened. The Rock kicked Ron, uh, Farouk out of the nation. Yeah. Um. It which the whole thing was a uh, was was kind of fascinating. Um. Because. You know, you you have the you have this tag team match with Farouk and The Rock, and then you got you got Shamrock and Blackman on the other side, mm-hmm. um, and the the whole time, uh, The Rock is just clowning on Farouk, like he's he is mm-hmm. screwing this man over, um, very purposefully to the mm-hmm. point where to the point where you know the the two of them just get yeeted, right? Um, yeah. And then the rest of the nation comes out, and Rock's walking away, and everybody else looks super pissed. And you think it's going to be like a, a reckoning for the rock, but then the nation starts stomping Farouk and, and the rocks kind of, and, and the rock um, gives his little like eyebrow cock and it's all iconic. And Oh yeah, it's this the, is why he's a superstar. Yeah. This is why he's a superstar a lister now. Cause he, cause mm-hmm. everything he does looks like perfect. And, and he took over. It, it, it was all, uh, this nice little self-contained thing, but oh my god, it was nuts! Oh yeah, like this was a this was this this uh, this segment had so many layers more than I thought it would because I because you're right is that like I didn't I wasn't I didn't you know I've always heard like obviously as a wrestling fan I knew the, yeah. the, the end result here, uh, but I'd never really seen the actual moment, so I was not prepared for the plot twisty aspect of it of of like it they set it all up quite well as like you know the rock screw it leaves the match and then farouk gets on the microphone and is like all right yeah you know what I had enough you get you get back here and i'm gonna kick your ass and so they and they 100 set this whole thing up as like the rock finally gonna kind of get a comeuppance for him kind of slowly but surely taking over the taking power away from Farouk only to then reveal, haha, no. <laughs> yeah. The, well, nation, the, the rock planned out the, this betrayal. Well, I think what's so fascinating about it for me too, is like, it does a really good job at kind of putting the audience inside Farouk's head without us really realizing mm-hmm. it. Because when we talked about this storyline in the past, you know, every time you've, you've uh, explained bits and pieces of it, you've made it very clear how the rock was kind of slowly starting to transition everyone's loyalties away from Farouk and toward him. And so there's some, the, the audience has some like kind of conscious understanding of that, but then you see rock screws up the you know, rock screws up the, the match. Um, and rock is the one that's walking away all like cocky or whatever. And, you know, we see the nation rallying around Farouk and we see Farouk hop on the mic and say, no, get back here. You need to, you need to answer for what you just did. Um, and it kind of tricked us into being in Farouk's mindset of not realizing what the rock has done to radicalize every other, uh, member of the nation and thinking that things are as they appear, things are as they have been, they're on Farouk's side and they're going to stay that way. And then we're reminded, no, that's not remotely it. So it kind of does this really good job of, of dropping the surprise on us, uh, mm-hmm. even without it. If, if you think about it for more than two seconds without it being actually remotely surprising, I think that's a really uh, um, surprisingly effective uh, uh, 
writing beat they did there. Yeah, overall, I have to say that this is this is this whole storyline that we've kind of followed from almost the beginning. Yeah, has been really well paced and well planned out, mm-hmm. and I and I think it all and it culminated in a really a really satisfying way of the rock now has full control of the nation on his own. They're no, then they're, and they are devoted to the rocks goals. Yeah. Which is also a nice kind of way to, um, to transfer the nation completely out of the, uh, the, the gang war thing. Right. Which is kind of super dead. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, because, because like they, they really stuck around, they really stuck it out. Um, and I'll give them props for for effective like recycling of their of their gang team here um, with an all new kind of story beat that, you know, doesn't rely rem- remotely on kind of their origins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just really solid stuff overall. I wish there was more I could say about the match, but the match isn't really anything special. A thing that I will repeat a few times tonight. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think any of the matches were any that worthwhile. No, uh, but that that's very really that's I mean that's very of the style of of this era. Yeah, that's true. There are some there are some that have been cool, but like yeah, yeah. The more I think about it, God, the matches of of the Attitude Era just do not stand up to to like the the storylines. Mm-hmm. They're so secondary. Pretty much, yeah. Like, like you look at the like the matches tonight. Um, the main event is the longest match at just under five minutes. And even then, like it was such a bizarre match. Like, mm-hmm. why are we? Like so we... little, so little happened in five minutes. Yeah, I know. Like the most notable things were. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, because that yeah. requires more setup from stuff that happened earlier in the night. Yeah. So 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 Mark Henry and 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 Mustafa and Dilo are all now uh disciples of the rock and Farouk is out on his ass and who knows what's going to happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I well I know where well, his Austin knows goes, what's going to happen to him. But you know where but I have to I have to pretend I don't. Yeah. Th- this is for for my sake we're not we're not trying to spoil the spoil things for the David here. Um mm-hmm. But I mean, it was effective, and it was a nice kind of. It was a nice segment, and I liked it being there. So yeah, it's good, good, good on you. There it was probably my favorite part of the uh, part of the episode, honestly. Yeah, I think I think that one might have been the probably the most solid overall. I think I think that you know I think that I think the Austin stuff is really good, but there's also a there's also a little bit of padding to it that it just wasn't super necessary. Yeah, it doesn't do a whole whole lot out uh, like. Uh, outside of its kind of main purpose for us to really like so so moving on to that one i guess so stone cold steve austin gets arrested <laughs> I, let's lead up to that yeah i i know that is the big one yeah out of contact yeah, steve austin has been arrested again uh, okay. <laughs> i don't actually i don't remember if this is the first time or not it is definitely I love not the how last it's time happened it's more happen. than once <laughs> It's definitely not the last time we do this. Jesus. Um, I'm actually completely surprised that he didn't come back by the end of the show because here's the thing. Oh. Uh, is because, like, in the future, they'll use the gets arrested gag, but then, like, they will come back from jail by the end of the show, which please don't think about how... Please don't try to think about, you know, the logistics Look, of that. 
timeline wise because it doesn't work. Look, but they just posted the bail super quick. All right. You expect me to believe that they got they they were arrested and processed and then they were put in jail and then they posted bail and then they drove back to the arena in two hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> anyway. And, anyway, so the show wee. opens leading off with Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's 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 get this out of the way now. Because Steve Austin's the champ, Vince McMahon has previously made it very clear that he doesn't—he didn't want Steve Austin to win, mm-hmm. and so Vince McMahon is there to present Steve Austin with the redesigned WWF Championship. This would be the design of the belt that would be famous for the Attitude Era, um, and I and I do like that they kind of sig- literally signaling in a new era with a new belt. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he comes out to present the new belt. And and Stone Cold basically just just dunks on him is like is like you know what Vince I don't know how good my Stone Cold is but he's like you know what Vince I know you didn't want me doing this I know you didn't want me I know you didn't want me to win but I won so fuck you basically Uh, essentially yeah and then and Vince McMahon once again in the in the presence of he's not yet at the point where he's okay with Vince McMahon isn't yet at the point where he's okay with publicly telling Steve Austin that he hates him he'll get there right now he's still (laughs) trying to be like respectable businessman in front of Steve Austin yeah he's tap dancing around the issue a little bit he's like oh I, I no I don't hate you stone cold I I I respect you you won you know yeah, he does that kind of thing, and uh, Stone Cold. To, I, I appreciate the fact that, like, as a character, Stone Cold Steve Austin might be a a beer swilling redneck as it is, but he's also not stupid. He nah, sees. He see. He, he, yeah, he 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 he's he's got some, he's got the street smarts. He sees what's going on here. He yeah he he kind of he, he's able to kind of like read the writing on the wall of like mm-hmm. what happens. When Vince McMahon doesn't like you, what sort of shit do you have to put up with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, of course, he's just there to kind of make it clear he is not going to put up, in fact, with Vince McMahon's shit. Um, and, God, uh, he, does he, he, he ends up, he ends up, does he, he ends up stone cold stunning uh, yes, that's, uh, that's, McMahon again, doesn't that's, he? Yeah? That, yeah, that's the basis of him getting arrested. But, but yeah. the setup for that is that Vince McMahon does end up, d- like, decides to stop <laughs> waffling for a little bit. Yeah. And he's like, well, is that he, and he, he makes, he kind of sets the ultimatum that Stone Cold is going to clean up his act. He's not going to be the number one representative for this company while being the the kind of uh, violent asshole that he is. That's not going to work. Even though, even though Vince McMahon's whole job is to employ violent assholes. Yeah. It's super weird. Like, like what, what was more respectable about Shawn Michaels pointing at his dick every five seconds? (laughs) (laughs) God, I look, look, Vince McMahon has a very specific um, respect language, and it mm-hmm. happens to be dudes pointing at their dicks. Mm-hmm. So, and he and Vince McMahon explicitly is like, "We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way." <laughs> very poor choice of words. Yeah, and so obviously, Vince and so Steve Stone Cold is like, 
yeah, I'm going to not take the easy way, thanks, and then stuns. And then then hits Vince with a Stone Cold Stunner. Which I was disappointed Vince did not have an overdramatic seizure this time. I was Vince McMahon McMahon learned how to take a stunner. He he gets gets a lot of practice at this. Um, (laughs) No, I liked it when he had a seizure. It was so good. That that first time where he does has where he like is flopping around like a fish because he doesn't (laughs) seem to know what how he doesn't really know how this is supposed to work, but now he's, he's got it down. Yeah. He's got the internal world logic going. He, he finally mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's laid out and Steve Austin is just, he, he kind of, he walks away from this and then Vince McMahon decides to take legal action. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, they, they finally revive him after like, legions of people swarm not legions but you got like several medics and like a ref or two there and they really sell this idea that like he 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 got laid out yeah by by the stunner but then he comes to and is like is like security um yeah he he calls he calls the cops immediately (laughs) yeah and and sure enough uh cut to a hallway shot of of uh Austin getting intercepted by by the by the by the fuzz. Yeah, we 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 get a couple. Of, we even get a couple of like them hunting for Austin in the hallways. So. Yeah, <laughs> just just to make sure you understand what the, what's going on here. You know, yeah, no, we, reminders. <laughs> Chekhov's whatever though. It's 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 like we've talked about earlier. It's the it's the dumb version of Chekhov's gun where we keep cutting yeah. back to the gun and yeah. And hey, by anyway, the way, this gun. They find Austin in the locker room and they arrest him. And of, and you know, Steve Austin's jaw jacking all the way back, including he like he 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 uh, shoulder tackles Vince McMahon into, into a locker. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh my god, yeah, he just go he goes so hard. It's hilarious. He's no. so mad, dude. No, he is. He's had enough of this, and he's jo- he's he's yelling at it at Vince all the way into by to the get from them getting him into the car, and they drive off, and that is the last we see of Steve Austin on this show. It's the last we see of Steve Austin on this show. It's true. However, we do, we do get a, he, he, he late in the show. He calls from jail to, to the to the to the to the stadium PA system somehow. I, I yeah, I don't I don't really know how what how he got that number or that they had had a number. But he does call in, and it's basically like, and he he literally says straight out that um that giving someone a Stone Cold Stunner isn't doesn't get you the death penalty. So that means that eventually Vince McMahon's ass is his. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, look, it ain't gonna even get him life. So so no. sure he can he can be let loose to Stone Cold Stun again. Dude's gonna be out of jail by next week, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, someone's gonna have the loads of money to pay out his bail or whatever. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. He's gonna, but yeah, he basically just shows up. He calls from jail to make sure that people understand that he will be back, and he is threatening Vince McMahon with more assault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm surprised we're not gonna have it so that we're like. We're just moving Vince McMahon to like a secure location where 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 Stone Cold can't track him down, but then we inevitably do something where like Stone Cold still tracks him down. I feel like that is like where this storyline should go, but I also feel like it's not gonna remotely go there. It doesn't. And it no. would be very fun it would be very funny if they did that, but Vince McMahon would never <laughs> ever <laughs> concede. He would see that as conceding to Stone Cold in some way. How would he 
you see that as conceding? He's avoiding assault. He can still it's, pull all the strings he likes. He just not. You know, it's a- it's much like how you can't let the terrorists win by living in fear. He can't live in fear of the Stone Cold Stunner, David. Is he at the very least going to surround himself with more security detail or something? Anything? Anything to make him less vulnerable to this crazy motherfucker who wants to drop him again? Not security detail, but he'll find wrestlers to do his dirty work. And that's not conceding? That's the most cowardly thing way you could go about this. I, I, like, because, because, like, if you're having other wrestlers do your dirty work, you... That, that that's just that's just you using like the the purview of the company you own to like do some like weird screwy shit at least with like a security detail there's an air of legitimacy there or at least hiding yourself away you're just being practical but having other wrestlers do your dirty work like come on dude you're asking, you're asking a carney to 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 keep an air of legitimacy but he's trying to he, he that, how is the most cowardly like version of this not conceding to stone cold I don't know, but Vince McMahon doesn't see it this way. Because Vince McMahon's a fucking moron. But we've talked the about entire, that. The entire, the next, the next several months of this storyline are Vince McMahon trying to find other people, people to beat Steve Austin for the title. He, <laughs> like, like, oh my god, everything. Everything on this show gets taken care of through the purview of the matches, which is really funny considering how secondary every single one of the matches feel to anything that's going on story-wise. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. This era is at its peak of we solve everything in the ring. Every single dumb little piece of interpersonal drama gets solved in the ring, and yet the matches feel like nothing. Oh, they, the matches that are on pay-per-view feel mildly more important. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, because the matches on pay-per-view actually have, like, consistently important characters, and they're not, not just throwing some random, like, uh, um, random whatever they want at us. It actually has Raw, some Raw is very fillery in, the, in its matches, but... So that that covers that. They, that there's, there's no match in, on this show that, like, connects to that storyline. That, yeah, that's 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 just it. Like, it, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll build up to something at some point. Do we ever get to see Austin and 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 McMahon square off in ring? Does that yes. ever get to happen? Yay! Multiple times. Yay! Multiple times. Yay! I look forward to that. That'll be good. I've been waiting to see to see McMahon like tear off his fucking suit and show us that ripped bod underneath. That ripped God. I wish I had been a wrestler bod, but this is the closest I can get with my rich money bod. Yep, pretty much. That's, I, that's 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 an extremely accurate summation of Vince McMahon. <laughs> I have been waiting. I want to see McMahon in ring. It's it's the, it's the culmination of his dream. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be a wrestler. His dad said no, so he just took over a wrestling company so then he could make himself a wrestler whenever he wanted to. Yeah, even though he doesn't really do that all that often as far as I can tell. Um, he probably has like 60 to 70 matches to really? his name over the years. Oh, okay. They're, uh, they're all they're they're very condensed to this period, of course, but <laughs> wait, no. Ha- I mean he had a match as late as 2012 against CM Punk of all people. Wait, what? But that we we're probably never gonna touch on that because no. the storyline that it's from isn't that good. 
but he does he does he does his last match ever was it was he he wrestled punk on raw <laughs> oh my god i feel like we need to do like this is so this is such a tangent i feel like we need to do at some point just like an episode like a like a compilation episode of like matches that like we could never feasibly get to as part of the show but like they're so wild we gotta watch them that's fair i'll think about it <laughs> anyway anyway um but yeah so stone cold is in jail now after after getting mouthy with mcmahon and dropping with us with a stunner uh but he will be back and that's about all we get um we just mm-hmm. know there's going to be a continuing saga with these two it's been going thus far i mean there the, the thing is there's not even all that much for me to like analyze here that's like not that's like original because this is just kind of an extension of what we've talked about in the past of Mm -hmm. stone cold is the face of the, or is the face and the voice of the working class, the beer swilling, yada, yada, yada. And Vince McMahon is the ivory tower, rich dude who hates his audience, yada, yada, yada. They're going to fight. Of course, the show's going to frame stone cold as basically in the right, aside from being a gigantic asshole. And, and yeah, that's, that's about it. We know why this is effective. And it just, yeah, this is, yeah, if, if I was to treat, if, if we're going to look at the Raw after WrestleMania as a pseudo uh, season premiere, which you can, some sometimes WWE leans into that idea. And yeah. I think they definitely did on this episode. I think they tried to set up a lot of stuff going forward on this episode. And this, so this, I think this segment kind of existed to reaffirm that like, hey, yes, now they've had problems before. And now that, that Stone Cold is the champ, they are going to have, it's definitely going to have some problems. Yeah, I feel like this is another one of those things where, like, part of the reason it probably doesn't excite us as much is because, like, we don't exist in the 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 cultural context of the era where, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a revelation. Um, because now, like, our version of Stone Cold in a lot of ways is CM Punk, um, where there's a very, like, you know... 2010's reason as to why we find someone like him appealing. Austin mm-hmm. was um, was was a, uh, a a hero of the 90s for good reason, but now kind of like living outside of that, it it, it exists. It, it like it, it exists in a comprehensible way in a vacuum, but mm-hmm. it doesn't like culturally hold up to the point where like I'm really feeling things here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would consider Hogan in the 80s in a very similar fashion of like, I definitely get why he worked, but, you know, outside of of that cultural context of the 80s as this kind of nat- super patriotic, nationalistic hero in colorful spandex, outside, like, not being in the 80s, I can't relate to it. <laughs> well, the, answer, the, thing with, the thing with Hogan is, like, he's a little bit easier to comprehend without that context. Um, yeah, he, he is a little more universal in that way. Because, A, yeah, he's, he, he, like, permeated the cultural consciousness a lot more, like, throughout the ages. And, B, mm-hmm. like, knowing the context of he was kind of, like, the first to really embody that sort of character and just how over-the-top he goes with it, that like that that that's like for as dumb as it can be sometimes that's like the advantage to the cartoony uh, aspect of the eighties is that like you can buy into it because of its very cartoony simplicity like there's still something there whereas like whereas like we're in like the gritty realism of the of late nineties attitude era so Austin is uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is this very muted version of that which. I'm sure at the time was insanely effective. Nowadays, like I sit here and I'm like, I get it. It doesn't particularly excite me. I don't. I, 
I feel like he's a very Gen X hero, too, and we're a couple of millennials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty true. Like this, just to I, make this, this, to shorten this into like one sentence. Yeah, uh, to and to to add on an addendum sentence. Whoops, David had another take that'll anger a lot of like a, a lot of like hardcore like old old school fans. Yeah, I see. I seem to do that a lot, don't I? Oof, it's <laughs> yeah. fine. Look, this is this is our podcast. If you want to, if you want to share different opinions, go make your own. Um, yeah, but so so yeah, that that happened. Um, and then I guess big storyline number three is DGen X is continuing to do their yes, own thing. DX has grown. They, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels is out. Get the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, is, and they do play it that way. Is instead of trying, instead of leaning into the idea that like he's hurt forever and ever, they basically play it as Triple H kicked him out. Which, like, I don't know how I necessarily feel about that as a character beat for DGen X because, like, on mm-hmm. one hand, I do think it's kind of effective to have it be like these guys are such belligerent douchebags that, of course, like they'll throw each other out at the first sign of weakness or whatever, but. At the same time, they haven't entirely been built up that way. There was kind of this like camaraderie, this unbreakable feeling camaraderie between Shawn Michaels and Triple H and China. Uh, I mean, China's just kind of like there as, as window dressing, so uh, whatever. Um, but like the, this, this like unbreakable camaraderie that we really seen—at least I haven't seen like big instances of of either member of DGen X going like this hard into like backstabby mode or this hard into like destroy the weak link mode. So it's kind of jarring to see them play this angle rather than like my, my blood brother was injured by the awful under to, you know, like, mm-hmm. like why are we playing this weird angle with it? I don't, I don't quite. Get yeah. It. Like, like, yeah, like they they do like the whole angle at the Christmas episode was that Sergeant Slaughter tried to play them against each other and they literally made a farce about it. So this notion like it is a little weird. Like it it makes more it makes sense in retroactively in that that becomes like Triple H being like that makes a lot of sense looking at what his career becomes over the next like 20 years and what his character becomes. It makes a lot of sense that he would act like that. But and like in the moment, it's not the cleanest transition. And like, and I think, and I think, and you know, it doesn't add, I don't think it adds that much of an edge to DX, a group who is going to quickly become babyface anyway, because Look, because the fans are going to get really into them being sophomoric assholes. Like they're going to find I, that. Like, you see it tonight with like, yeah, they got so many people in the crowd doing the crotch chops. So like, it's the kind of thing. Like they're stupid. They're stupid. Offensive shtick is going to get over with the fans as something that's funny. So they're going to be baby faces sooner rather than later at this point. You know, sometimes I really hate the fans. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on! The, the, it's the mob mentality so strong that all it takes is like some really identifiable, like quippy dumb thing to like win everybody over. Because we've seen this with Daniel Bryan. We saw this with like the 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 one dude, the the one Murica problematic dude from the two thousands or whatever that we've talked oh, about. Oh yeah, Jack, Sw- like, Jack Swagger, the real Jack, what, Was that Jack Swagger? Oh Jesus! The, yeah, yes. whatever they. 
whatever USA we the people when we, we the we people the yeah people. The, yeah the we the people thing we we've we saw I mean we saw this to a really good extent with like with like punk but that was not that that wasn't like them repeating back any phrases so that's like but like Jesus Christ sometimes the dumb things that the crowd latches on to I I because I was watching I was watching the incessant crowd <laughs> The incessant crotch shot fest tonight. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there like, you know, there's something that's weirdly like, weirdly satisfying about watching them just do this over and over again. But like, but like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And of course it won over the fans. Goddamn course. No, that, that and that and telling people that if they don't like it, they can suck it. Is that, that it's that's that's become su- that's a super popular thing that people that the fans really like doing. So <laughs> I will give him this, and I should probably add in. Oh, hey, the artist formerly known as One Two Three Kid is in the is in DX now. He yeah. So he, let's so so now yeah. that we've analyzed DX's appeal <laughs> as characters, <laughs> let's let's actually like move to what they were talking about like what actually happened so they're recruiting for the dx army of five people <laughs> but whatever um they so first uh triple h introduces one of his closest friends the former one two three kid they don't name him in this episode amazingly but he will be going by x-pac going forward and it, it's just easier if i just use his name now what what does X-Pac. that even mean x-pac all right, so let's try to break down his name, the name, the oh, one, two, no. three kids' name progressions. So, uh-huh. I'll be honest, I don't know what Pac means. I don't. <laughs> well, that's that. the part I was confused about. X makes well, sense. Well, okay, like, well, well, so what happens is the, the one, two, three kid. He goes to WCW. They make him the sixth member of the NWO. Uh, which we haven't talked about that storyline because whatever, but it yeah. it existed. And the the joke is that one plus two plus three six. He is six S Y X X. That's his name in WCW. And I believe they at one point call him Six Pac. Um, is that a two Pac joke? Probably, but I don't really know. And then, <laughs> then he comes back, but then he hates it in WCW. What? So he comes back to WWE and he changes his name to X Pac because he's in DX. And he will keep that name for the rest of his career. That is, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> to kind of explain some of the, the, the they get real like they, they, as, as they make it someone on commentary doesn't make a joke that everyone's shooting tonight. So I guess I have to explain the shoot stuff where so so the real life drama that it, that basically influenced this entire segment because the whole segment only makes sense if you are at least passively familiar with what with the dramas of WCW because because of the, because Vince Russo as again would like to point out that he believed that fans didn't give a shit because every because all the fans knew it was fake they didn't actually care about any of the fake drama more so they cared a lot more about the real life drama that happens in the back and so he wanted to put more of that into the show to be oh fair God. W- okay to be totally fair wcw would also was also really bad about this kind of shit like that well, was just way, a thing dumb. they did I, I agree it is like it's not done in a way that's clever or fun it is just super 
door. I just, I don't like it. But anyway, so Sean Waltman, aka X Pac, is one of the is is the lessest is the least known member of the Click. Uh, Sean Mike, you know, we talked about the curtain call with Sean Michaels, Triple H, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. The fifth and final member of that friend group was One Two Three Kit X Pac, yeah. and. He was, and so he went to WCW. I, I believe it was to go along with Nash and Hall leaving. Um, but then he comes back to hang out with his other bestie friend, Triple H, and they make reference to this on the show. And so he he rags on Hulk Hogan because Hulk, because to under uh, to the shock of no one, I tell you is that Hulk Hogan used his clout as a top star to make sure that he was put in the best position possible and to make sure that nobody else could take his spot away from him. And so this, uh, he didn't like it. Like he didn't get along with, he also believed that, you know, he was also a big believer in, and to be fair, I don't know if this is his real opinion or it's a conveniently, this works out best for me opinion. But he also believed in a real delineate, a real like delineation between uh, he- heavyweights and non-heavyweights, and that heavyweights should be inherently placed as the superiorist, and that like he really believed in a glass ceiling for people who were smaller than two hundred and fifteen pounds. Oh, we'll get to that later. Yep, there we can get on that in the WWE sense, but. And like, again, I don't know if that's just kind of a a real world opinion he had, or it was a conveniently believing that makes it works best for Hogan, who is over 215 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, as it turns Hmm. out, being like, you know, who should only be, who should should be all the top guys? Heavyweights. Hogan, a heavyweight. (laughs) says this so i don't know yeah point being he, I, <laughs> he helped contribute to the culture of you know people as small as sean as as uh x-pac cruiserweights essentially being having a very hard glass ceiling and how important and relevant they appear on wcw programming and that helped contribute to his frustration and want to leave and yeah, so I wonder you know, why. he shit talks Hogan. He shit talks Eric Bischoff who runs WCW. And he says the, you know, the famous line of like, you know, Hulk Hogan, you better be careful of Eric Bischoff. Who he, if he sticks it any further up your ass, he's going to know what you had for breakfast. <laughs> because you, you know, claiming Eric Bischoff to be a hell, a famous ass kisser and kind of wanting to be one of the boys, so to speak, and not, and thus allowing Hogan to get away with whatever he wanted, which is a fairly accurate summation <laughs> of the situation in WCW. <laughs> yeah, he, they, they, he really spun that one. No, and then he he tries to claim that Hall and Nash are being held hostage. At they they definitely play up this idea of like WCW being a place, a prison. He, they Triple H explicitly call, tall, calls um he um uh, Xbox time in WCW indentured servitude. Not the only time I ever heard that kind of reference made to working for a different wrestling company. <laughs> um, and six pa- and Pac tries to claim that Hall and Nash would be in back in WWF with them if uh, Eric Bischoff wasn't holding them hostage in WCW, which is not true at all. They were very happy where they were in WCW because they got to work less 
they had to work less shows and make more money than WC than WWE would have. And they got for more freedom to do whatever the fuck they wanted because Bischoff also never told Hall or Nash ever to, he never policed them either. <laughs> so Look, they were, they I, were, they were, they had it made. He he's getting paid good money to trash the to trash the competition. Of course, of course, they're going to be a little bit loaded with their uh, with their statements. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's not something I hold them deeply against. Just pointing yeah. out that it is all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And so they do that, and it's other. That's pretty much the whole segment. Is just kind of an introduction of 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 X Pac, and an, and he airs his grievances about his former place of employment. <laughs> Which, like, I, I, God, there's so much to unpack here. Um, because I, I just, the glow up on one, two, three kid to me is insane, right? Like, we start off with this sweet kid in like the early 90s who's just, he's just so bright eyed and bushy. T- what am I remembering correctly? Like when I talked about this last time, you're like, "Oh, you just you wait" or something like that. Or am I crazy? I probably made a reference because I knew that this episode was the episode where X Pac debuts. I probably yeah, I think was, you said okay. Yeah, I, I think you said I was one. probably being cute about it, but I don't remember exactly. Okay, but but yeah, he you know he's all bright eyed and bushy tailed, and here he just like freaking <laughs> the way he moves. Okay, guys, like you know back when he was one two three kid, he walked. You know, like a normal person. Now, he, he, it's a combination of like flopping, exploding, and crotch shopping as, 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 as walking. So aggressively. <laughs> he just, he just like explodes into the space. He's like jumping around and he's, and he's like crotch shopping and he's like, he's, he's just, the way he moves is so like, what? Oh, and he's he's showing off his new finishing move, which is aggressively teabagging you. Somebody, the Bronco Bus, the Bronco Buster, which I I can't explain it any differently than he's aggress than the than you're sitting in the corner and he teabags you really look, hard. Look, I'm sure whatever drugs DX passes around to its members before every episode is like some good shit, but oh my god, dude, chill out on it a little bit, okay? Holy god. Um he just came in swinging, man. It was wild. And I was it was so bizarre like seeing that in comparison to to the sweet kid that I was like, this guy's so cute. I love him. And now he's just oh the kid. God, the he, kid is gone. God, he joined DX in the Attitude Era to be a giant douchebag because, of course, he did. God damn it! All right, and that's just X Pac. We have two more members just, to discuss. God, yeah. So to to the main event. Um, to be clear, they they held. I I is they stay on. They said on the show that I had referenced in the first half that Char the Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack had won the tag titles, but they were stripped of the titles on the show because apparently there was a specific dumpster that you had to throw your opponents into to win the match, God, and they didn't. They threw them in a different dumpster, but the referee still called the match on on the pay-per-view and wasn't like, Hey guys, throw them in a different dumpster. (laughs) And so, and so the titles were stripped and they had a rematch 
with the New Age Outlaws as the main event of the show in a steel cage that went five minutes. And it all ended when DX showed up to uh, bash Cactus Jack's brains in a little bit with a steel chair. It was uncomfortable. And uh, New Age Outlaws won. They are the tag team champions yet again. And they are the newest members of DX. Which, like, of course they are. Not a remote shock there. Um, no, they, they've been loosely aligned with DX for months. Uh, see, honestly, I'm just, I'm just disappointed in myself for not seeing it coming. Like, of course, that's how they were going to like that because they hint like a little bit before, like, uh, I think it was Lawler that was like, I just got word during the last break that Degeneration X is going to announce more new members tonight. Um, um, and you know, when we see new age outlaws pop up, I'm so shocked, like disappointed myself that I didn't realize then and there what was being set up for. Um, but it was just so bizarre because, like, the, the, God, again, the, this match technically was connected to things. It, it had connections to 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 previous match, and then it connected itself to the DX storyline. But it still felt so, eh, the, the match no, itself. It was so slowly paced, and I, 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 I posited to David that maybe they had pacing issues with the fact that, you know, they're all locked in a cage with each other, and all four of them have to be in the ring at the same time, so there's a spacing issue. But, yeah, just the whole match doesn't feel like anything happens. Like, they pretty much, it, like, pretty much the only thing that I think happens in five minutes is they, is they, um, um, uh, bu- 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 they handcuff, uh, Chainsaw Charlie to the, to the ring, to the cage, so he can't interfere, and he, so that he can't be involved. They also rip his shirt off. Very aggressive. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Also, Chainsaw but- Charlie's not wearing pantyhose this time. Yeah, they've kind of leaned. They've they've kind of leaned away from that, you know. Let, <laughs> Honestly, let I appreciate be, it. Let him show off his normal crazy old man face. Yeah, I appreciate it. The pantyhose were kind of dumb. Um, yeah, they were. But anyway, but yeah, uh, Cactus Jack just gets kind of like they, they both of them just kind of get served. Um, um, the uh, what was I gonna say? Um. Like you mentioned earlier, Mick Foley taking what three chairs to the face this match that I can remember. He takes three shots to the head. No, he doesn't put his hands up to try to block that. He just takes it head straight on at least three times that I can remember, which is so disgustingly unsafe. And it's like, Mick, why? Why would <laughs> yeah, you do this? I just, I just want to point out like what a what a champ Mick Foley is again. Like every time he shows up, I will never stop like Mick Foley appreciation posting. Just like, just like God, that man is so dedicated to his craft and kind of, and, and, and is somehow one of the most like level headed motherfuckers out there when it comes to like people who are part of this profession. I don't Um, know how, because he keeps bash, letting his brains get bashed in. Look, he just has a really thick skull. Okay. He's fine. He can take it. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Um, but yeah, it 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 all just kind of turns into you know another famous Vince Russo messy ending, um, mm-hmm. with yeah, admittedly a pretty effective like final shot. Uh, yeah, of, I th- yeah, I think it works pretty well overall. DX climbing the cage and of course chopping at their crotches into in, into blackout. Um, you know, it, it does make for a pretty like uh, cage climbing is is a nice such a nice easy way to get like good visual points. It, mm-hmm. it you know uh, maybe I'm just a sucker for that visual, but it it did kind of like 
uh, for as for as like what the fuck is all of this was, it was kind of a like satisfying like image to end the episode on at the very least. Yeah, I agree. And so now after us, uh, uh, some good discussion, let's just roll through the matches and just get them over with. There's not a whole lot to talk about, but I guess we should mention them because we've hit the big points. Uh, yeah, no, all the rest are just kind of like, huh? Okay. Um, so we have, so yeah, Legion uh, of doom versus Los Bariquas, which goes 34 seconds. It yeah. Lasted less than a minute. It is literally just there to be like, Hey guys, LOD 2000 is a thing, which I guess is important in the sense that they debuted on, they re-debuted on pay-per-view on red WrestleMania. So this is the first time that they've been on the free show, but at the same time, they're not going to be around long to be honest. And it's, and it's, it's, it's uh, to me, it's a whole lot of whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, because LOD is not a whole lot right now and, and they have mm-hmm. nothing the fuck to do with the Bariquas. So like, yeah, that sure. Why not? Yeah. There's this, not a whole lot going on with that. Yeah. And um, then, and then we get to the part that David accidentally gave himself a spoiler for. Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah, I'm not going to mention it on, I'm getting where we don't, we don't want to talk about it on tape. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll act shocked not. when we get there. I'll, 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 I, I'll do my best. Like, <gasps> I, I've been thinking for months how I'm going to talk about this when we get to it. So we are not doing this until I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm so anyway. sorry. I, what, but yeah, we had Kurgan versus chains. Um, which is there to they're establishing Kurgan as like a monster heel in the same, in a, as I probably, I'm pretty sure I joked about this that I was like, you know, Kurgan is being built like a monster for Hulk Hogan to beat in the night in 1987, except it's 1998 and Hogan isn't here and nobody cares. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that, yeah, that, 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 that was about it. And Kurgan oh. wins and drags chains off by the face. Now he he uses the dreaded claw hold where you just like palm your opponent your your other guy the other guy's face with your giant claw and then just squeeze until they give up. I will I will give him points for like a unique looking thing. Like most people don't go for the whole like crazy hand sort of vibe. I can, I can kind of get down with that. Yeah, and then he drags him face first. Yeah, no. Well, again, not a whole lot to talk about. It just kind of happened. Um, yeah, um, Jeff Jarrett beat Aguila. Um, that's just there to just continue to establish Jeff Jarrett with his new manager, um, a Confederate uh, plantation owner who managed to still exist in 1998, Tennessee Lee. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because I, like it is what it is. Like Tennessee Lee and, and in WCW when he's playing Colonel Robert Parker is de- is literally just doing like a parody of like like what is a stereotypical like plantation owner in the South is like what what does that sound like? That's Tennessee I'll say, Lee. I'll say, I'll say. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and it, he, he's 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 shacking up with Jared, who's coming to the ring on a literal horse, and 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 he's got neon all over his gear. Jared's got a weird propensity for like dressing really bizarre. Like it doesn't it, he doesn't strike me as the type who should be dressing weird, yet he continues to do so. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, don't even I, I know. Agree. There's just something about his vibe. It does he it doesn't feel like the eccentric costume vibe, especially for the attitude era. Like, 
of all the people to put in like all of those weird fucking colors, why are we doing Jeff Jarrett of all people? Yeah, Jeff Jarrett feels like he's still in the new generation, and it's yeah, and he's still doing the goddamn strut. Which I will say, there's some weirdly satisfying about the strut. The this like the way he hunches over and he just like snap, snap, snap. I know. I wish. I wish our audience. I do that. I do that. I do, right I do that. I do that in real life sometimes when I'm alone. <laughs> Why have I, I never seen life? that? Because <laughs> I'm doing it alone. No one has ever uh, seen me do the story. lame, lame. Um, but yeah, it's it's just more. Ju- I mean, Jeff Jarrett's talented enough. But it's just getting tired. It's just getting really tiring for me to be like, "Yep, that's Jeff Jarrett. He's a pretty good. He's a pretty talented wrestler." Shame, we like keep, nothing he does ever really seems to fucking matter. Like we keep we keep running into like Jeff Jarrett just kind of existing on these. Incidentally, shows. <laughs> he feels so incidental, which is so bizarre. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, so we talked about the Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman beating the nation. And then um, we got, we got Mark Marrow. Oh, there's, Saga. there's actually uh, a lot to talk about here, but none of it has to do with a match. Bad. This is all bad. Yeah. Um, just a minute. Uh, you can explain what happened and I'm going to get my computer charger. Oh, fun. Okay. So, for, you know, we have, we have Mark Marrow. Uh, having his weird like thing with his wife. Uh, they're currently they're they're currently not super fighting. Like Mark Marrow is not making her dress up in a fucking potato sack or anything to 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 show up to the crowd and not be leered at. She's actually dressed in something provocative, and of course everyone's going wild for it. And of course Mark Marrow's being like, "Oh, they're all cheering for me and not my wife's cleavage." Um, but <laughs> but but you know he's there to fight Takamishinoku. Um, but then for some reason, oh god, I can't remember her name. Um, somebody shows up. Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon, thank you. Uh, Luna Vachon shows up, and I've never seen Luna Luna Vachon in action before. Dear God, is she annoying. She's got this insanely, like, raspy voice, and she, like, she, like, vibrates Ah, as she talks. Luna Vachon! I know. She vibrates as she talks, and, like, oh, it's weird. Um, She's but she annoy you to into booing her. Yeah, That's she so life. she shows up. Um, she shows she shows up. Um, and for some for some reason, uh, it ch- challenges challenges Sable to a rematch because they fought before. Um, and th- it's like the first. It, this takes up more time, I think, than the actual like fight between Taka and. Um, between Taka and and Mark, I think, but regardless. it has to because it has to because Luna takes the longest path to get to the point. She does. She goes. She's just kind of going off, and then long story short, is basically like, yeah, I want to do a, a a ball gown fight with you, Sable. Uh, and you know, she's of course being like, I'm gonna let the person left with the most amount of clothes wins, and of course, Mark yes. Marrow's like flipping his shit. He's like, God damn it, no, don't undress my wife more. No, this uh, the the con the conceit of an evening gown match, and I hate to tell you this, David, but they're gonna have a they have they're gonna make several spinoffs of the same idea here of this type of match, but it it, it is a late nineties to two into the two thousands classic where the goal of the match is that both women are going to be in an evening gown and the winner of the match is the one who rips off her opponent's dress, leaving her in her underwear. 
That's and how the, you and win. The, and the whole audience was like, oh, no, I would hate that. <laughs> I know. Like, it is like Luna tries to play this off as an embarrassment to Sable that she, like she calls back to a prior incident of her ripping <laughs> Sable's dress. And she tries to play this off of like Sable's going to be left in her bra and panties in front of the whole world. And it's going to be so embarrassing as if I don't know <laughs> that that is absolutely not going to be embarrassing because the entire audience is going to cheer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the entire point of Sable's character recently has been like, God damn it, my stupid, weird, jealous husband. Let me show my boobs on TV. Um, so, <laughs> so this feels like it's just kind of playing right into her hand. You know, it'd be really great if this ended up being kind of like this like ultimate girl boss twist where they were actually like teaming up just to like dunk on Mark Marrow. That'd be a ton of fun. That'd uh, be it's fun. It's a shame it probably won't go did. there. No, it's, it's probably not remotely what's happening here. No, no. And of, and of course, no. and of course, Mark Marrow is. Yeah, you're right. He like he like he's like begging. He's like he's yelling at his wife to to not accept the challenge. Okay, Don't look, I know him. we've I know we've touched on before how one note Mark Marrow is. Um, he got to be a little two note tonight by also just kind of being a, an oblivious egotist the whole time uh, on top of being like jealous of his wife. But he's also like really one noted as acting like the entire time like that 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 luna vashon is is um uh is proposing this and the entire time that sable's like yeah you're fucking on he's just doing the exact same like begging pose over and over again like it's just the mm -hmm. same like it's just the same like animation loop five second animation loop repeated over the entirety of this promo and i was like yeah. dude get a different move here jesus yeah i i agree and like it's 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 honestly the worst part about Mark Marrow is that he's not that great of an actor, which is a bit of a shame considering in WCW he was doing a little Richard impersonation, but he apparently <laughs> doesn't good at acting. <laughs> Whatever. What a weird like Jesus Christ! People go to WCW and like come back with the weirdest shit. Like, like. we we should probably at some point touch on like mid 90s wcw because we really should when it, it was when, it, when the show was run by like it was bounced around by like turner between turner executives who don't know wrestling and don't care about it and it shows in how absolutely bizarre it gets but that not important right now <laughs> um yeah no it, it's just so funny that like these are the kinds of people that like they pumped back into ww but anyway um <laughs> but yeah so so that so that's a whole thing and so you know luna Vash uh, luna vashan and, and sable are gonna are gonna do a ball gown match and somebody's gonna end up in their underwear oh no everybody's so much dreading this the, i mean i actually am dreading this god damn i hate how how like 90s and early aughts uh, uh wwf it treated its ladies oh, yeah God. and they'll they'll do this in so many other uh forms like a bra and panties match same thing but without the fancy dresses or you know what you know, i want or, or a pillow fight match or, uh, or a couple of mud wrestling matches you know what i want i want a, a drag evening gown match i want two dudes facing off in an evening gown match where's my where where where's my where's my i don't know who who would be two great dudes to stuff into that where we should have given cena and punk an evening gown match i would have died for that shit the sad thing is there is i there is there was <gasps> once two dudes in an evening gown match <laughs> they did 
They they did it. It you know sport future spoilers for the Vince McMahon character. He's uh, Pat, Pat, he's going to acquire two stooges, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. You know when they, when when Vince McMahon runs out, when like the gaggle of people show up, they're usually there, and they're going to be featured as like the number one and number two yes men to Vince McMahon, who as an excuse for guys like Steve Austin to beat them up if they can't beat up Stone Cold tonight, they can't beat up Vince, and they have. An evening gown match with each other. <laughs> Austin, please, please tell me we're going to watch that at some gown, point. It is an evening gown match between two men in their mid to late 60s. Yeah. <laughs> I need this in my life. I am legitimately, insanely, happily surprised that WWE actually did something like that. I was like, no way in hell they would ever, they would ever go there. Oh my God, does that make me happy? We we might have to save that for a future time. Yeah. Um, they, WWE also likes to do the tuxedo match, which is the guy's version of the bra and panties match, except it is played for a lot more of like humiliation when they get stripped down to their underwear. Well, of yeah. course it is. Of course it is. Buff, who likes seeing buff dudes in their underwear? Not our audience. No, that's not the whole fucking reason we run this show. Oh, no, no. The real, the real wrestlers don't get to do that. They're, they don't, they have more self-respect than that. We're t- like, they, they like have tuxedo matches between like announcers and managers. Are you telling me Vince McMahon hasn't had the good sense to put what's effectively a male stripper routine on his show at some point? You know how much viewership that would pull in? Mm, potentially all the viewership and also no they have not he did not he is not uh like they have never done a tuxedo match with wrestlers who are like important god damn it oh no okay well you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna send him a i'm gonna send him a little a, a cheeky little letter and be like hey buddy i got a business idea for you uh uh anyway, anyway. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so getting back to the point. Uh, so, so yeah, so that happens, and that's going to happen at some point. And Mark Marrow is, of course, good and pissed about it. Um, uh, and then he goes to fight Takamishinoku. And I'm all happy, because hell yeah. And then it's I, all, like, three moves. I love me some Taka, and he just immediately starts clowning on, cl- clowning on Mark Marrow. And I'm like, hell yeah, go Taka. But then the tides get turned for some reason. Uh, and we Mark, have, Mark course- Marrow kicks, kicks Taka in the dick. And that is what leads him to being able to set up for the win. Yeah, and he, he wins gets, Taka, and that's it. He gets an impossibly, I want to emphasize, impossibly easy win on Taka Mishinoku. Like, there's no way this guy should have been down by this. Um, it's, it, 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 it just doesn't work. Taka like Mishinoku is a champion. The light yeah. heavyweight champion. Going to remind you of that, but nobody cares. So he loses <laughs> so, in 90 so seconds to Mark Marrow. Yeah. Who lo- and- who who previously loses to guys like Tom Brandy. <laughs> and and the whole reason we have it like this is so that Sable can see how how cruel the 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 defeat of 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 Taka was so she can go over and comfort him and Mark can be all jealous again. Thank but you. Yeah, but then after they leave, we get the debut of Kai and Tai. Oh God! They don't name them. They don't name them as Kai and Tai, but that's who they are. They are basically like they are basically like a let's throw in all the Asian wrestlers. Let me let me 
Let me go look. I'm going to look up who's in this group. They are in genuinely extremely talented group because of course they, they were. Because they were, they again, they were pulling from, you know, actual real life, like wrestlers from um, Japan. Yeah, the wrestlers that they debuted tonight were Dick Togo, Men's Teo, and Shuryu. Um, I will I will say for as cheesy as some of the stuff like this in the in the attitude era could get for a hot second, I was kind of like I, I they did kind of catch me off guard, like because because they enter from the crowd and they're like fucking climbing the gates. Um, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, what the hell? Why is the audience like rioting here? What's going on? And then it was like three Asian dudes in like weird street clothes. And I'm like, oh, OK, I see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a hot second, I was like, wait, why is the audience about to riot? What's going on? Yeah. So, yeah, they do that. They just kind of debut themselves by beating up Taka Mishinoku. We, we don't know yet why they chose to do that. I mean, please, please lead, lead it to, to Taka having more interesting stuff to do than beefing with dumb fucks like Jerry Lawler's son and Mark Marrow. Please. Yeah, I have to give you a sad warning. Well, you know, I, I guess I guess there is some interesting stuff down the line, sort of. Okay. But okay. not. But for now, it's still you know just feud, uh, beefing with his with Jerry Lawler's dipshit son. <laughs> I, I I I I do I do have a cool question for you though. Um, you had mentioned when um when Kai and Ty popped out of popped out of the audience, you had said something about they were the ones that arrested uh, Austin. Was that, was that being, was that, was that you being facetious or were they actually like double cast as the police officers? This oh no, I, no, I was, you, you asked, I was making a joke because they were, because the commentary was like, where's security? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh they arrested okay. Austin. They're gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did, did their, their one, <laughs> they did their one job tonight. They can't yeah. stop anything else. They did. They did one, they did one security that, and that's their quota. So they got to go home. Um, yeah, they're, they're out of here. Yeah, one, one whole security. Um, I I also want to point out, like I try, I, I've been trying recently, like uh, as you've as you've mentioned in you know some previous episodes about like the effectiveness of commentary and some of the stuff that goes on on commentary. I've been trying to pay more attention to like. Oh no, David, no. It happened. It's happening. Got David again. back. You were saying about commentary. Yeah. Okay. So I've been trying to. I, I mean, it, it wasn't that like that important a point or anything. I was saying though, like I, I've been trying to like pay more attention to commentary recently because you made some comments in recent episodes about like the effectiveness of commentary and some of the stuff they say on it. So I've been trying to like keep more a bit more of an ear out for some of the stuff they say on it. Um, but it uh, this this I I admittedly didn't get much from it, but oh boy, did I catch some really dumb Lawler lines. No, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Jr. was particularly um, uh, profound, but don't. Yeah, Jerry Lawler is real stupid. Yeah, <laughs> he had some comment about sex on TV. I think that was during the Mark Marrow thing. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I got, I think um, I got mad at that one week as was Oh, I guess we should explain the sex on TV thing because I remember what that was about. Is the day de- the debuting video of Val Venus. Oh, yeah. love- oh yes. god. Uh, yeah, yeah Valvinus Val is a porn star. That's it. That's the joke. And they don't really play That's it that joke. Either. But it's not really play it for a joke. Even though it, it reads like a joke. It reads so dumb and over the top and not remotely seductive. But here we are. I guess I guess Vince Russo is like just does not understand how like sex works. You know, 
there's been a meme that's been going around recently. It's like a four panel square and it's like up top. There's like knows what sex is, doesn't know what sex is. And then on the on like the, the, the vertical axis, it's like fucks doesn't fuck. And so so that means like the, the top right corner is doesn't know what sex is fucks. And I kind of don't like this meme because I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I think Vince Russo has now finally helped me understand what this means because <laughs> Vince Russo clearly does not know what sex is. But Vince Russo still fucks. It all, it all makes sense now. Thank you, Vince, for helping me understand this meme. Yes. Um, yeah, the Val Venus skit is exactly what you probably think it is if I just said it out loud. It's it's He's, you know, laying in bed, presumably naked, watching his own porno and just being like, damn, I'm good. He, he really only had like one thing to say when he wasn't ta- doing his actual lines. When he's, when he has to like, just like ad lib talking about his porno, all he says is like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but you know, he, he's, he's just doing a bunch of double entendres and talking about how he's coming soon and whatever. And then, uh-huh. and then, and, then, and, and also, then, you know, and also of course his, of course, of course, his last name isn't spelled like the normal way you spell Venus. It's spelled like penis, but with a V. Because of yep. course it is. Because of yep. course it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got Lawler on commentary with the joke of, of um, sex on t- sex. There's nothing wrong with sex on TV until you fall off, you know, because you get it. He's talking about sex on a television, <laughs> not sex <laughs> on a TV. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that 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 was my shut up Lawler for the evening. So there's yeah. there's your obligatory. Um. Uh. Oh, speaking of weird promos, we also had like this weird like no reason to have it whatsoever like promo with Kane and and uh and Paul Bearer. Oh yes, Paul Bearer yes. just kind of like monologues for five minutes about blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, he 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 just talks about you know last how how. Losing to the Undertaker was not the end, and he challenges the Undertaker to an inferno match, where the goal of the match is to set the other guy on fire. That's where Undertaker versus Kane yeah. is going. Immolation. That's uh, yeah. That oh yeah. That that was that was the. But like he said, he spends five minutes talking about this. I'm like, no, nah, okay, it is it is objective. It is, it is just there to just be a time filler because they're setting up their they're, they're setting up the cage. the cage. Like, yeah, this is you know in modern wrestling, what they do is they pre-build the cage and then hang it from the rafters of the they arena. Lower it down. They lower the cage. It's great. It's this great visual. It's always fun. But back in the olden times, they had to physically build the cage panel by panel during the show, and so they send out Kane and Paul bearer to time fill while they finish doing that <laughs> yeah i mean it, i like paul bearer's shtick and early kane is fun enough i guess even mm. though he just kind of stands there um yeah. but like uh, <laughs> yeah it's he, a whole he, lot of nothing he's probably reminiscing about his time as a dentist anyway um and yeah the final match of the show that we haven't talked about the oh, midnight yeah. express bodacious bart and bombastic bob versus the headbangers it's the NWA season, and it's, a whole lot of I don't dumb. care. It's so dumb. Why are the headbangers bald? Why are they wearing kilts? Who the fuck are these other dudes? I don't know, and I don't care, and the whole thing is dumb. I don't even... Right. I, I, the, the wrestling was probably pretty good in it, too, but God, how little I care about this superseded my enjoyment of the wrestling. I think that's the first time this has happened. I so do not, I so aggressively do not give a shit about the NWA stuff that I'm not even like, 
I can't even register the wrestling as entertaining. I'm just like, what? No, nope. yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, they they introduced Dan Severn, who's a legitimate MMA badass. Uh, he has a stint in wrestling. Uh, we probably won't be seeing much more of him. I because he doesn't really do anything major. He kind of doesn't. He struggles because he's really good at wrestling. He's good at wrestling in that way that MMA to wrestling is a pretty good transition for a lot of guys, but he just does not have the charisma to work, to make it work in wrestling that you don't necessarily need in MMA. If you're just that good of a fighter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just kind of like, okay, there's another dude here and he curb stomps at the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pretty much, that's that covers that. Um, yeah, that's about it, ladies and gents. Yeah, so that that's our show. Is a lot, a lot happens. I think overall, does it matter? Maybe. Uh, I think the big three story beats are important. Anyway. Yeah. As I the this was the I call this this I feel like this is quintessential Attitude Era in that uh, the Rock, Stone Cold, and DX. And along with Undertaker and Kane and Mick Foley, carried the Attitude Era, and everything else was just kind of whatever in between. Yep, yeah, I know we're we're setting up for new stuff next time, I guess. Yeah, uh, we'll be back here soon enough for one more time in the ad- in this little era of the Attitude Era before we kind of wrap up with that. I think anyway. But what are we gonna do next time? Yeah. You know, you know, we haven't had a guest spot on this. We haven't had like a special little one-off on this show in a long time, you know, since the Brody tribute. And we haven't had a guest spot since Christmas. So what we're going to fix both of those next time as we have one, we're going to have one of our friends on to talk with us about the best wrestling wedding of all time. not The Undertaker, Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, they get married and then they have a whole wedding reception and a bunch of stuff happens. And so that is going to be the focus of our next episode. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I've I've been waiting for this. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm excited as well. And David hit the plugs. Yes, sir. All righty. My friends, thank you for coming along with us on this most interesting and, you know, maybe slightly lackluster ride. Uh, We're happy to have you with us. If this is your first time joining us, thank you ever so much for tuning into our podcast. If you would like to continue to tune in with us, there are a number of ways you can do so. Let me tell you how. First of all, we are on YouTube. You should subscribe to us, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. It's it's just delightful. Uh, if if uh, if you're more of a, a, a just a spot a, a listening app sort of person, uh, we are on Apple, we are on Spotify, and we are on Google. The best place to get podcasts. Please give us a listen, give us a follow, um, give us some nice little engagement all over the place. Likes, dislikes, ratings, comments, what have you, whatever, whatever you want to do to like you know just tell tell the internet that yeah. These guys are all right. Eh. Um, you can also find us on our socials. We are on Twitter at Noobs and Knox Pod. That's Noobs, the letter N, Knox. 
there's just weird about uh character limits uh we also have an we also have an email uh the noobs and knock or we have noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com that's the let the jesus the word and this time noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com please email the show tell us what you think give us some feedback uh give some give some recommendations or some suggestions or requests or whatever 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 you want to do come say hi to us we love that we love talking to you people yeah um and and finally, uh, come check out our Patreon. Uh, One dollar a month gets you early access to videos and a shout out at the end of every episode. Of course, and uh, on our on the on the on the Twitters uh, is where you yes. will find our, our announcement our announcements uh, weekly of our new episodes. But also, um, I am trying out the live tweeting wrestling thing. Um, Every Tuesday night uh, on Impact Wrestling, I will be live tweeting um, uh, every Wednesday night, AEW Dynamite, as well as uh, whatever WWE or NXT pay-per-views uh, I uh, wish to watch. Um, there, WrestleMania is coming up. That's the next big one. That's a whole thing. That's going to be two nights. That's April 10th and 11th. Uh and uh, obviously, I will say that um, if we have to tape uh, an episode, I will not be live tweeting. That is what happened with WWE Fastlane. Sorry about that. We'll be keeping us keeping you up to date on Twitter if uh, our taping schedule requires that I can't live tweet something. But other than that, yeah, uh, come hang out with me as I watch um, some rest weekly wrestling. And uh, see you guys next time. Hmm. Good stuff. Hasta luego.